Lefondre looking to get goal side of Fon. Lefondre away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, it's another day of many fans, I'm sure, will be embarrassed by yesterday's result against Eastleigh. 2-1 FA Cup exit in the second round. Gotta say, it was a fair result though, Alex, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, outplayed by Eastleigh, outfought by Eastleigh, out-physical. Physical isn't a word, is it? Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, fair result, really. And you'd be hard-pressed, I think, if you were watching at home to be able to tell which team was in League One and which was in, in the National League. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at the first half, definitely that was the case. I think Eastleigh looked like they were far more organised. They had more experience on the pitch. They created better chances. I think once we brought on Lewis Wing and Sam Smith, it did make a difference. There's no doubt we looked better in the second half. But still, there wasn't a lot in it, was there, really? I mean, we didn't create chance after chance at all. No, we're giving ourselves a hill to climb as well, obviously, once we're 1-0 down. So, even bringing on those two players, it's, uh, you know, it might change change the way the game is flowing, but it didn't change the amount of amount of chances we were creating particularly we didn't suddenly go on and, and dominate the game no um but we're going to talk about what happened before the match I see because there was a quite significant interview with Mark Bowen also want to give some praise to ITV Sport Sam Matterface and Ian right 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 for magnificently researched <laughs> helped by uh cell before we die I have to say Alex before you do that can anybody say Ian right right right's name without saying it like that I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. I mean, how? Yeah, it wouldn't feel natural, would it? I mean, yeah. I'm sure, like, every time, like, I reckon my wife calls him, he might have a different name for him. She might. And uh, she just must say, Ian, right, right, right. You're coming. You you know, you're leaving now. You're going to Tesco's. (laughs) He's got it it on his debit card, on his credit card at home, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he also wore possibly the biggest coat I've ever seen in TV history yesterday. But I'm not bothered because the man is a legend. I love him anyway. I think he's brilliant. But um, the way he talked about Reading FC, backed it passionately, said the fans were doing exactly the right thing. It's easy for people on TV to say, oh, no, you don't want to see this. You don't want to see protests. But they got it. They understood it. And Sam... Obviously contacted Cell before we die before, did all his research, and it completely showed when the 16th minute protest came up, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the coverage from ITV was was really good yesterday of, of, the, of the protest, of, of the situation in general, really, at the club. I mean, um, it would have been very easy, I guess, for, for ITV to cut away during any kind of protest which happens on TV and, and not really cover it. But, um, yeah, thankfully, during the week, they, you know, we had a had contact with them and and they seemed very receptive and obviously in terms of research they they obviously knew what they were talking about and put the put the story across very well uh, in terms of what's going on and and the, the crab situation that that reading you know find themselves in so it's it's good to see that you know it didn't get just completely ignored like the everton protest did at, at, against uh, man united a few weeks ago on tv and and I mean, in kind of more recent times as well, the Fulham protest, which which they had on TV, which also got completely ignored on Sky. Um, having, you know, p- 
pundits and commentators who are willing to speak about the situation and willing to, I guess, be sympathetic and be on be on the side which you want them to be on um, and be on the fans' side makes a big difference in terms of how it comes across and what the what the protest looks like ultimately. Um, and I mean, speaking of the protest, it, 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 you know, obviously being at the away ground, it's a very different aspect to it it's it's not the same as doing it at your home ground and having the backing of 80 percent of the fans in in attendance but um i guess it, it was one of those situations Paul, where where you're away from home but it when the situation is as dire as it is um people not getting you know people not getting paid and frankly no one really knows that the progress is moving anywhere on a sale um despite you know despite the interview that bowen said beforehand about the fact that it, things close but how how often have we heard that in the last month now um it it seemed to go off relatively well i think it, there wasn't any there wasn't any particular issues of it as far as i could see which was which was really good and yeah the coverage was great and online it seems to really have highlighted the situation once again you only have to look at the amount of people from other clubs who are saying i didn't know what was going on or had no idea it was that bad and you can kind of understand what the kind of what the justification for the protest was really yeah i mean i i think it worked uh brilliantly it came across fantastic on tv um i'm sure it did in the ground the situation is that nobody wants to protest like that and especially at away games but what happened in the preceding few days is what's created it die young only giving enough funds so the players can actually be played. Guy Yong Pang making a decision to actually do that so we don't get a points deduction. The staff only getting 50% of play, which is terrible at any time of year, but particularly when you're coming up to Christmas. Also a time of year when, you know, few bills are higher, everything's more expensive. Not everyone has bills that are played on a monthly basis. Some of them are playing, you know, have to pay through meters and everything like that. It, it, this is a really dire situation that we're in. And hopefully at some point this will come to an end. But yeah, you mentioned the Mark Bowen interview. I mean, we're now, it's now almost seen as normal that the head of football, football operations at Redden Football Club will come out and openly criticise the owner, support any protest. I mean, that isn't, a normal place to be, Alex, is it? Normally an owner, sorry, the director of football operations at any club will always back the owner. I mean, only until recently has this change happened. And I would suggest, I'm not going to pretend to be in the know, but I would uh, put forward the idea is that Dai Young has been an absolute arsehole changing the goalposts on a daily basis and the sale is just being prolonged. Whoever that group would be that wants to buy it and Mark Bowen's just had enough. He's just spoken out publicly about it. Yeah, I think you're right. And it it it's probably got to a point even for him where he's just kind of done with the situation himself personally as well. Uh, in his interview, he, he mentioned how him and Ruben Sellers have you know, not taking any wages this month because they don't don't think it's morally right to be able to take wages while, you know, other people at the club are, are basically not getting paid full wages, which is, you know, it's good good for him. Like fair play for doing it. Um 
obviously him and Ruben Sellers are probably on a much higher wage than other people at the club, but it's still still going to impact you if you don't get paid a wage uh, at the end of the month for doing a job. And you're right, I think it, the chances are at this point that the, the goalposts are being moved at every, you know, every minute, every hour, however often they're being moved potentially by Dai Young and Mark Bowen has just had enough. And if you're now, if he's now willingly, openly criticising, you know, his boss on national TV and supporting fan protests against his, against his boss, like, where are we at? Like, it's a, we're, we're basically at a stage now where it's, it's like staff are almost allowing protests and fan revolt because it, because they want to see it and you know we've kind of heard not rumors but we've heard like voices and anonymous sources and all this kind of thing saying that you know staff are in support of, of fan protests but we haven't actually had anybody from the club come out and openly back these protests like that like from a a named perspective so for Mark Bowe to come out and just basically say yeah the fan protests are, are needed and actively fine as long as they're manageable which let's you know put it into perspective what he basically is saying is as long as the games don't get abandoned then there's no real problem from his perspective it's a really weird situation isn't it to to be in i think at that point once you're once you've got that kind of like named person who's saying yeah crack on get on with it because Things won't improve otherwise unless we do something. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible situation to be in, isn't it? I mean, he also said the club can't move forward until the owner leaves, essentially. I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually word for word there. But, I mean, I mean, it's just as bad as it can get. I mean, obviously, I hope this changes very quickly. News could filter through this week. Who knows that um, uh, exclusivity has been given. Um, and then the process will change, but then there's also finance. There will be a gap of finance still. Even if they come in, people think magically everything changes. It probably won't. There'll still be issues with cash for a while because they can only put so much money in. Man, it's just such a mess. It's such a mess. And yesterday, for me, it felt like the game was a bit of a sideshow. And I'm sure lots of other people people completely disagree with that and they're passionate about it and they want us to win every single game and I, I get that totally I respect that view but I can only speak from my own opinion but we went into the game with a team with average age of 22 playing against a team that was very experienced mid-table in the National League a very tough league Alex and what were your thoughts when you saw he made was it seven or eight changes I think it was eight changes yeah. It wasn't really unexpected, was it? I think every single cup game that we've had, uh, Sellers has made a lot of changes. It's, it's, I think yesterday was the first time I was a little bit frustrated to see that many changes because when you've won the last two and there is some positive momentum, uh, not only within the squad, but also amongst the fan base, people, you know, the last two wins, people were were saying, okay, well, actually, maybe there's a chance that we're going to be able to, you know, move forward and start playing better football and start winning games on a more regular basis. I, I think I would have preferred to see a slightly stronger team. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how, how strong I would have gone or, or what I would have done, but it, it seems like a missed opportunity to, to just basically gamble on 
playing essentially what is a second team at this point. I know Ruben Sellers talks about having a squad and how the squad wins and not the team wins, but ultimately the players who played yesterday against Eastleigh are not the players who are playing in the league for the most part. And the, the players who are playing in the league have got the job done in the last two games, whereas the players who have played in the cup are not involved in the league games. So I would have preferred to see a stronger squad, certainly, I think. Um, how strong? Somewhere in the middle, maybe. Like a couple of changes, three, four changes would have been fine, I think. But eight was a lot and probably, you know, probably pushing it against what you say, what you said was a, an experienced Eastley team, I think. Um, and it showed really, didn't it? Because the first half, we were just really, really poor. And I mean, first, what, 15 minutes or so, it was almost like a friendly. I don't... I don't think either team really got into the game particularly um, during that first 15 minutes. And then we had a, a chance from Savage, which went just wide after the after the disruption. And then the goal which they scored was just a complete breakdown at fullback again. Both, both fullbacks just get completely caught out. Carson is miles away from the right winger. Uh, or I think he's a striker, actually, number 20. Um, but he gets he's miles away from him. The, the striker is out on the byline on the right touch line, and Carson is three or four yards ahead of the line of defense. And it's such an easy cross into the box, and it's just a low cross which just goes right across. It's a very dangerous cross, don't get me wrong, but it's just gone right across the goal. And, and Bengway's just completely lost the striker, and he's running like running around him basically, run around him and got ahead of him. And it's just yeah, it's just bad defending again by by the fullbacks, and you can see when either of them are getting into the side on a on a regular basis in the league when you watch defending like that. Yeah, um, Bengo was pretty much dreadful yesterday, wasn't he? There was only one good moment in the second half when he put the cross in for Sam Smith, and the crosses were a dire throughout the whole of the match. Carson was bad yesterday. I mean, he's not alone. I'm not going to pick out one of these you know, individual players in it's their reason because we lost. But of the starting 11, I would say only Joel Pereira, who I thought made several good saves. And Aziz, quality wasn't there throughout the match always with decision-making, but scored a really good goal uh, towards the end. So... Sort of it, though, isn't it? Sorry? Sort of it. Like, in terms of the ones who you can give out positive... Yeah positive reinforcement too. I like I'm I'm struggling to think that oh Craig Michael Craig was okay. But like this is as far as you can really go. You can't you can't say oh he played well and he did well because none of them really did well. Two or three of them did okay and other than that the starting eleven were there was a number of them who were just poor. None of them topped Mola though. Mola was wowzers. I mean I've seen Mola a few times now and uh, I've no idea what he's actually good at. I mean, maybe he's better at centre-back. Maybe he did play a game in the trophy, didn't he? And he looked a little bit better yeah. there. So maybe he's being played out of position. I'm trying to think of something. I really am desperately here. But at left-back, he's been, I would say, atrocious every single time. I don't, the, the, the weirdest thing about Mola is not the... It's not even the defending for me that is the worst part about watching him play either it's the the technical ability is is so limited i mean he sh there's a shot in the second half where he literally you know shins it 
Um, and that one will probably be one which people remember. But there was a secondary point uh, to it about three minutes later where he goes in to try and pass the ball like off a volley, like in the air. And it just comes off his shin. And you're like, I don't understand how you how you signed for Chelsea as a you know a youth well not a youth player but like a teenager because your his technical ability is so limited uh, it's, it's very confusing to watch and yeah he doesn't he doesn't provide you any confidence when he plays at left back at centre back I think he's a fine emergency backup player but that's kind of it. Yeah, real emergency. Real, real, real deep emergency, that one is. But I would sum up our first half with probably a few shots from Savage, uh, the free kick, the one you said just before they scored. But Eastley also had a golden opportunity when Quigley was through on goal. And I thought he was a real menace for us. I thought he was his a, quality... And he was a shithouse to the away fans as well. Like, yeah, he, well, I've got no problem with that. You know. He was he was there to wind up everybody as much as he could. He did it, in fairness to him, the second half. I'm amazed he didn't get booked as well. The second half, every single time he went towards Harley Dean, he was making sure that he ran into him after the ball had gone and had his arm wrapped around uh, Mola or, or Nibs or, or Makaru, who was at whoever we, he was marking off a throw in and making sure that everybody in the Reading fans side could see it, but the referee couldn't because his arm was wrapped around the far side. And uh, he was a, yeah, he, he basically was there to wind up the, you know, wind up the Reading players. And yeah, he should have scored. They, I mean, the second chance, which you're going through there, he takes the ball through. Probably it's only a couple of minutes before half time, really, isn't it? This yeah. this chance, and he's he's through on goal. Um, Pereira comes out, and it's a two on one. If he squares it to is it McCallum? Uh, if he squares it, that's two nil, and that is game over definitely before half time even comes. And I have really got that. I mean, he must just not have seen him because if you see him, that's that you have to square it there surely because he's got an open goal. I think he saw headlines there. At that moment, he saw headlines, didn't he? He's like, oh, I can have my moment here. And he got, yeah, he was basically greedy, wasn't he? But it didn't come back to haunt easily. Uh, in the second half, we did definitely improve with the substitutions, especially when Wing and Smith yeah, came on. We looked I, I much better as soon as as soon as Lewis Wing was in midfield. As, as yeah. soon as Lewis Wing was in midfield, we looked better because we held the ball better. That was the... That was the the first thing that you could say is we were we were keeping the ball and all of a sudden we looked like a team who were league not leagues but we were definitely better than Eastleigh. You could, yeah, interesting. The, when we brought those subs on though, ITV went to the um, uh, Eastleigh manager. I think it's Richard Hill. He used to play for Northampton years ago. There's one for the old bastards listening. And um, he said, "Oh, they've brought on the cavalry now, so it's going to be a little bit of back to the wall, something like that." And he was right. It was not, you know, shot after shot for the saves, saves for the goalie to make. It wasn't like that. But, we but the game was in their played in their half, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there were opportunities when we could have played a different pass, a better quality. I mean, the crossing, let's not get into that. But there were moments when we should have done a little bit better. But as he scores a goal, I think there's another quality strike. A really good goal, you've got to say. Yeah, yeah. Um... Has a shot blocked from outside the area. Ball kind of gets headed back out to wing, who who lays it off to his ease. And 
takes one touch and just drives it into the far corner from from the edge of the box and it's a really good finish by Aziz and you know can understand understand his uh celebration when he's you know smashing in goals like that uh it's you know disappointing disappointing that it kind of is a bit meaningless but it's uh you know great for great for Aziz in terms of his confidence to get a second goal in two games hopefully you know I mean I know we said it after the Carlisle game that hopefully it's the start of a run you know two and two is better than zero and 50 or whatever the run was before right so Mm. long may it continue I don't think he was fantastic by any means yesterday but he's going to play 90 minutes most games so you know Unfortunately, I feel like people probably have to kind of just accept it until Sellers is Sellers is out of his position, right? That that Aziz is going to get a lot of game time. He kept on trying to do stuff. It, you know, we know his decision making isn't always great, but let's like praise him for actually getting two goals in the last two games because that's what we were asking for, and now he's starting to deliver that. There was an incident just before the Eastley goal when Tom Holmes was almost rugby tackled down for a possible penalty what were your thoughts on that yeah I think it's a penalty but I do think that Tom Holmes does this an awful lot from set pieces and I don't think he gets a lot of joy from it any referee who watches any of Tom Holmes before this game would have seen him do this uh in other games he he does often wrap himself around a, a defender when he's going for a set piece um because he does the same when he's defending as well. He'll wrap himself around an attacker and, and not necessarily drag them down every time, but he definitely wraps his arms around attackers. Um, I think that's just how he seems to play set pieces. It should be a penalty, quite clearly. Um, but I think if if the referees watch Tom Holmes for the remainder of the game, then maybe he's just kind of bought into the fact that, you know, he's a very physical player when it comes to... Or, physical was maybe the wrong term considering the corner at the end but uh he's just a very he's a very kind of like hands-on player at court at set pieces and maybe the referee just doesn't buy it I guess that's the that's the issue um it yeah. should have been a penalty but we didn't get it and you kind of have to kind of have to move on um, the referee was you know pretty standardly poor but it's did it change the game hugely? I I mean, I, I don't think so, really. I mean, we would have been fortunate to get a penalty and to, to go on and let's... We would have... I think we would have taken the lead if we scored a penalty at that point. So it would have been very fortunate had we, uh, you know, had we got a scrape to wear penalty and taken the lead. So annoying, but, um, you know, not one which we can really blame the entire result on. No, no, I don't think so. Well, then we entered the death zone for Reading FC. That is known as injury time. Uh, On TV, they went, oh, Reading looked like the only team that, you know, are going to win this match now, a couple of minutes before we went into injury time. And I said to uh, Charlotte, no, this is not how it works. They, They really have no idea of how Reading FC kill their fan base on a weekly basis. 94th minute. Firstly, let's talk about how we completely lost shape. So Michael Craig is the only defender we've got back. What happened to all of them to stop an easy tap-in, I think, for maybe for McCallum initially, to actually give away the corner? I mean, but just kamikaze. I have no idea why we were doing that. 
it looked so desperate. They looked so desperate for the win at the end there that there was nine players in the Eastly half and the defence had just disappeared, essentially. Um, so as soon as Eastly did get their one break, which they, you know, they were going to get something, weren't they? Because, you know, you don't want to be able to keep a, a team in, in their half the entirety of the game. Um, as soon as Eastley got their break, there was nobody there. They played in behind Mola so easily. And Craig was, you know, busting a gut to get back and got back basically as the ball comes across, really, and just has to smash it out for a corner over the bar. I no, I, I mean I haven't I haven't been able to see a replay of it yet, but I have no idea what, where Harley Dean was or Tom Holmes, no clue no clue. Um the shape had just completely vanished by that point, like defensively, because it almost feels like they just weren't expecting Eastleigh to have an attack. Yeah, which is bizarre. <laughs> I have no idea what they were doing. But let's go on to the corner. Corner comes in, McCullum completely out muscles, Tom Holmes. Probably a handball in there, but it would have been. I think it's a harsh handball. It, it would be. Handball. It would it be. Rolls off his arm. But... About that, it's a goal. He taps it in. Prairie can do nothing about it. Again, two-one. Game's done, isn't it? Reading FC heartache. No, it's what we do. It's what we do. You couldn't. You couldn't write a script um, which is more suited to the FA Cup than that, really? Could you? No. The league team losing in the last minute away from home, uh, to a set piece. ITV, if ITV could have written a script for yesterday's game, that's what it would have been like. Um, it's it's so difficult to know what to think about these 90th minute moments now because it, they happen on such a regular basis and with such a varied group of players who are on the field that I have no idea what the, the issue is anymore. I don't like what's the what's the problem. It's it's not that we've got a goalkeeper who is you know performing poorly at these set pieces. We we do, but it's not a consistent goalkeeper because yesterday it was Pereira who didn't do anything wrong at the corner. Um, we've had multiple defenders make mistakes at these corners now. Hutchinson against Shrewsbury, Holmes yesterday. Like the combinations are different every time. I I don't don't get it. I don't understand how they can be what are we now into december and still be this poor at the 90th minute every game because every single time an op op opposition team get a corner late on you think they're going to score uh because it's it's there just seems to be this kind of like inevitability about it right that we're going to concede once it gets to 90 minutes um and we're going to concede from a from a corner and I, I have no idea how they've. There's what five months into the seller's reign at this point, and they they haven't improved on it in the slightest. I think it was an issue under Paul Ince as well, wasn't it? You know, it, I don't yeah. think it's a, a new thing, is it? Unfortunately, it's. Um, yeah, I think what's happened is it's now become a massive issue mentally, hasn't it? Everybody knows it's there, and unless we've got a two-goal lead going into the 95th minute and there is only 96 minutes, you don't really feel comfortable as a Redden fan because you, you're just dreading it. You know someone will make a mistake, they'll miss a runner, they'll score a goal, or it'll be a freak goal, an own goal, anything's possible. But 
We are out of the FA Cup for another year. We will not be going to Wembley and picking up a trophy for that. We still have we had a chance this year as well. So we, yeah, we did. We definitely did. We definitely did. But we still have a chance of picking up a trophy in uh, was it Bristol Motors? Bristol Street Motors Trophy. Oh, of the course, the big car, one. Car Cup. Oh yeah, will always be Pizza Cup to me. Because uh, nothing challenges that moniker that it will always have in my heart. So thanks a lot for listening. We will be back with a preview for our game against Barnsley. We might have one after the game against Charlton. Depends on how the result goes. But let's be quite frank with you here. So if you have enjoyed it, give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And thanks for listening. Up the ding. Whatever happens, we will continue to do a podcast. We are stupid like that.